I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the Opposition Research Podcast on HawkeyeNation.com. Welcome to the Opposition Research Podcast here on HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs. Each week I'll find a beat reporter, blogger, or broadcaster that covers Iowa's upcoming opponent. If you have a suggestion for who I should talk to in a given week, or if you have questions you'd like me to ask, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew C. Downs. Let's get to this week's game, and it's a big one. Number three, Iowa. Number four, Penn State. Three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Kinnick Stadium will be jacked. Last check, Iowa a two-point favorite. And my guest today covers Penn State for statecollege.com. Welcome back, Ben Jones. Ben, thanks for the time. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, this is Iowa's first top five matchup since the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. It's the first such game in Kinnick Stadium since 1985. And Ben, in a series with a lot of big games, a lot of close games, this one might be the biggest when it comes to hype between Iowa and Penn State. Is your fan base, are people there as pumped for this as we are here? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an excitement, but I think there's also a, definitely a situation where you go, I guess we're going to find out what kind of team Penn State is. And to a certain extent, you know, we're going to find out a little bit about Iowa as well. There's definitely excitement. I, I think it's different for Penn State from the perspective that, you know, this schedule has a lot of difficult games left on it. Penn State's got to play at Ohio State. They've still got to play at Michigan State. They've got to play Michigan. So that East Division sort of round robin between ranked teams or currently ranked teams you know, leaves a lot of things left uh, for Penn State ahead. But there's there, there's no doubt that if you've got a top five matchup or frankly just uh, an important matchup in Big Ten play uh, and on the road at Iowa, that's a big deal. I, I think it would be different if Penn State fans knew exactly what they had in their team, if this was maybe 2017 uh, or something like that where you kind of understand what you've got. But I think there's a lot of wait and see with this team still. But there, there's no doubt. There's definitely excitement. Um, I think there's just a little bit of cautious, uh, you know, emotional protection as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because this this kind of feels like the end of the line for Iowa, and not not in this season certainly, but through this first half of the season where Iowa had some really big games on the schedule, some ranked teams that uh, maybe haven't lived up to their expectations in Indiana and Iowa State. But uh, as you look at Iowa's schedule moving forward as they enter Big Ten West play, now he, we here in Iowa are a little paranoid about you know going to Madison and playing Nebraska, even playing Purdue and Minnesota and North. Western, but from a national perspective, you can kind of look at that schedule and say, well, Iowa should kind of run the table after this. But you look at Penn State's schedule, as you just said, and you've got a lot of ranked teams left here. I heard you on the James Franklin press conference yesterday ask Coach Franklin about the division alignment. And I think most Big Ten West fans understand that we are in the weaker division. But but we also feel like most years, our top teams, maybe one or two, can at least compete with the top teams in the East. So, like, what is the overall perception of these unequal divisions in, in your part of the world yeah i mean it, it sort of is what it is and i think james's answer you know was as good as you're going to get at this point because I, I do think there are times you know we've seen purdue over the years wisconsin obviously is normally better iowa is always difficult minnesota has been better 
you know, the last couple of years. So there's obviously a lot of opportunity there for that division to improve. I think it's tough because, you know, you look at Ohio State, you look at Penn State, you look at Michigan. In an ideal world, you want those three teams playing each other every year, and you're not going to be able to do that um, if, if if they're in different divisions or if you try and spread them out a little bit. I, I think that, you know, you get into situations like this where, like you said, you look at Iowa's schedule and you feel, you know, generally speaking from an on-paper perspective, you feel pretty good about Iowa's chances of running the table, whereas you look at Penn State's schedule and you go, well, there's a lot of opportunities for – for losing there and and you go well is that fair and i don't know if fair is even the right word but it's definitely different and to a certain extent it makes this game bigger i i think for iowa than it is for penn state obviously college football you're never in the business of losing games and and feeling good about it um especially if you're trying to make the playoffs but i do think it's sort of this year in particular has been sort of skewed in one direction but you know it's not always that bad it's not always that uneven but i do think it's an interesting conversation because kind of like James said, it's not so much about whether Penn State can survive it, but, you know, part of the reason the SEC is able to, you know, send multiple teams is sometimes they've got better balance um, in their divisions. And if you look at the Big Ten, if the Big Ten East eats itself alive this year, um, you know, it might have two of the better teams in the country at any given moment, but if they don't have the resumes to back it up because they're, you know, killing each other on the field, it's hard to justify putting them into the playoffs. So I think there's a lot of factors involved there, and certainly Penn State's just a part of that equation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's look at Saturday afternoon on the field. Uh, you know, we Hawkeye fans, we know Sean Clifford. Uh, everybody knows Jahan Dotson, and I think he he strikes fear in a lot of Hawkeye fans, not just as a receiver, but as a return man as well. Uh, we remember Noah Kane and what he was able to do against Iowa a couple of years ago. Um, what, what I guess who else other than maybe those three guys uh, should Iowa be watching when Penn State has the ball? It looks like there may be a running back by committee going on. Uh, when Penn State's on offense, who should we be keeping our eyes on? Yeah, I mean, aside from those those obvious, obvious guys, I think tight end Brenton Strange has done well this year. Really, all three of their tight ends have had moments where they've they've really shined. So I, I think that you've got an opportunity there if you're Penn State to exploit some things. They've done the running back by committee. Kevon Lee was really good last year um, in his freshman season. He was actually had a pretty good game last week against Indiana. Noah Kane, I think, is still a little banged up there, not really one to talk about injuries. Um, around that program, so it's hard to really get a good grasp on that, but I think he's he's working through an injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Penn State's offense, outside of Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington's been super reliable, Keandre Lambert-Smith has stepped into the third option role nicely, and I think the big thing for Penn State is just the fact that Sean Clifford is making smarter decisions. He's not uh, throwing the ball where he doesn't need to, he's not doing things for no particular reason. He has three interceptions this year. One of them was basically an arm punt the other one was a catch that got bobbled and popped up into the air. Um, and his last interception was really the only one this year that was a, a product of, you know, a bad throw or maybe something that he'd like to have back. So he's done a good job this year of really avoiding the big mistakes. And as everybody knows, um, you know, Iowa and Penn State, to, to a certain extent as well, are both good teams 
you know, creating turnovers. And if you're Penn State, you want to avoid that. They haven't lost a fumble yet this year either. Um, so they want to hang on to the ball, and Sean's done a good job of that so far. Yeah, certainly feels like uh, two really, really good defenses coming into this game and, and some offenses that still have some things to prove. But defensively, uh, when we're looking at Penn State, what, what players or maybe position groups have been the most notable through five games here? Yeah, I mean, the, the strength of this defense is the fact that it's really good at everything but not super great at one thing. And and, and I mean that in, in the best way possible because they have – I think maybe one of the best secondaries that they've had in a really long time. Uh, Tariq Castro fields has played a lot of football for Penn state at corner. Jaquan Brisker came back after they, you know, he had the opportunity after last season to leave um, for my money. He's one of the best safeties in America. Um, Daquan Hardy has played well. Jair Brown has played well. Um, Joey Porter jr. At corner has played well. They've got, a lot of young guys. There's just nobody that you want to pick on in that group. They, they, they're good ball hawks. They're good in coverage. They don't get beat very easily. Um, so that's really been the strength of, of Penn State's defense to avoid giving up chunk plays. Um, you know, at linebacker, Jesse Lucetta is an interesting guy because he's played, uh, you know, linebacker for them, and he's also rolled into this sort of uh, defensive end position at times. Um, he's, so he's kind of turning into a hybrid a bit. Brandon Smith, a former five-star guy, has been really good for them at outside linebacker, is continuing to kind of have his Micah Parsons year where he's sort of figuring things out and the light bulb is going on defensively up front, uh, temple, uh, transfer defensive end, Arnold Ebiketti has been fantastic. Nick Tarburton, DJ Mustafer has played a bunch of football. So really you look at every level on this Penn state defense and they've got guys that have gotten experience. They've got guys that can make plays. And I think that's what that makes that defense so good because they don't have to rely on just one unit. Um, you know, the sort of traditional Penn state has a linebacker that can save the day or a defensive player that can save the day on the line but really I think this group is strong is strong at every level and that's ultimately why it's been so good this year all right so overall as we look at both of these teams let's let's say Penn State comes out of Iowa City with a win where where do you think Penn State will have had the advantage over the Hawkeyes um I mean I think the big thing is that you know Penn State's defense is going to keep it in every game and I think even if the offense has some hiccups along the way when you've got a defense that can keep you in a game you've got a chance. I think Jahan Dotson's going to be the best player on the field. Um, regardless of who has the ball, I think Sean Clifford's got a lot of experience. That counts for something in these games. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we'll just find out. I think what will happen is we will find out which one of these teams is truly a top-five team or really has a real claim to that. Um, I, but I think at the end of the day, if Penn State's defense plays well, if Sean Clifford avoids mistakes, and if Jahan Dotson can do what Jahan Dotson does, and they've got a good got a good shot in this, but you know I've been to Kinnick a couple times. That's as tough of a place to play as anywhere in the country, um, even with bad Iowa teams, let alone good ones. So I, I think you know Penn State certainly has its handful. Yeah, flip the coin. What what, what does it look like if Penn State is, it comes out of there with a loss? If the Hawkeyes are able to uh, be victorious on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I mean you know Iowa runs the ball well. Penn State has you know done a pretty good job in the run, but I think both both against Auburn and Wisconsin they got gashed at times. Um, but really, I think it's turnovers. I think these sorts of games, if you look on paper, for the most part, these teams are pretty similar. They're pretty good at similar things on both sides of the ball. They can move the ball. They can score. They can play defense. And that really means it comes down to turnovers. And obviously, that's been Iowa's uh, bread and butter uh, at, at times this year, if not all year. So I think if you're on the road, you want to avoid mistakes. Sean Clifford hasn't really made any mistakes this year. So the question is, is he due for one um, that really counts? Or is he just a new 
uh, a new Sean Clifford. So I, I think if Penn State loses, they turn the ball over, they make some mistakes, they can't get in the end zone. Um, obviously, if you can't score, you can't win, and I think mistakes only compound that. All right, last thing for you here, Ben. Uh, I was going back through the last 20 years or so of this this rivalry, and yeah, I, I'll call it a rivalry. There's not a trophy or anything like that, and Iowa has all these border rivals. I'm sure Penn State has its rivals in the East, but I, I really think this is the most compelling series Iowa has had in the Kirk Ferentz era. I mean, a lot of close games, a lot of high rankings, a lot on the line in a lot of these games. Uh, Kirk Ferentz had Joe Paterno's number. James Franklin has flipped that script. Uh, what does the Penn, Penn State fan base kind of overall think of this Iowa program? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is that, you know, there's always been a lot of change in the Big Ten over the years, and really any extended period of time you're going to see change in the conference. But I think the thing that sort of earns people's respect with Iowa is that you know what you're going to get out of Iowa, and you know they're going to be good at it. And I think, you know, Iowa is maybe never the flashiest of programs, or maybe never the program that when Penn State looks at its schedule, it goes, you know, it sees Iowa before it sees Ohio State or before it sees Michigan. But I, I think ultimately Iowa has given Penn State a run for its money every single time that they've played. Um, everybody, I think anyone who watches Big Ten football knows how tough it is to play at Kinnick, especially for a big game. So there's definitely a lot of mutual respect there, I think. And certainly there's lots of Penn State fans that when that schedule came out, you can look at, at Columbus, you can look at East Lansing. Um, but I think the thing that most people's eyes went to early in that schedule um, outside of the Penn State opening at Wisconsin was seeing, you know, that they've got to travel to, to Iowa, and that's a big opportunity to pick up a big win, but it's also an opportunity to pick up a big loss. So there, there's definitely a lot of respect there, and, you know, I'm certainly expecting another game that's been like the last ones. Um, that we've seen over the past few years. He is at Ben underscore Jones 88 on Twitter. Give him a follow there and check out his work at statecollege.com. Ben, thank you so much for the time. Uh, enjoy the game Saturday. It's uh, it's going to be a big one. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, there you have it. This is a, a big, big game, as we've talked about all week. We'll have it covered at Hawkeye Nation in all angles. Check out the Hawkeye Nation radio show Thursday night on KXNO. It's 7 o'clock. Trent Condon, myself, Joe Schmelka all uh, discuss the game. We'll look back in Maryland. We'll look ahead to Penn State. Uh, plus, Rob Howe's got everything covered, as well as Rick Brown and John Bonencamp on the site. Uh, Trent's Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. And then I've got a fun podcast coming out on Friday afternoon, just looking back on that 22 year history of Kirk Ferentz against Penn State. Thank you so much for listening and go Hawks.